Hello and welcome to Mental Notes from my minivan. I'm not in my minivan today. It is getting very chilly outside and so I am safely on my couch with my lovely dog Shaka and I am actually sitting in front of my special lamp because I am a good girl and I am trying very hard to take care of myself. Um, it's a seasonal affective disorder um, light and I call it my happy lamp. And um, it is a game changer in winter. So I try to do a plug for these every winter at some point, and I'm sure I'll bring it up again. I wasn't particularly disciplined about it last winter and it really didn't help. So this winter I'm trying to be more pro proactive and preemptive with um, seasonal affective disorder. I've tried to start using it earlier. Um, in the year and also just at regular times of the day. So what I've, what I've been doing just this last week and um, I'm staying committed to doing it for the rest of the year is to do my yoga practice in front of it every morning so that I can combine some yoga, so some movement, some meditation and also the therapeutic effects of my lamp. And so that's my little plug. I don't make any money from, you can buy whichever lamp you want. Um, they're available on Amazon um, in lots of stores now, I do believe. But just make sure that you're getting one that says 10,000 lux, at least 10,000 lux on it uh, for the therapeutic benefits. Okay, so with that little plug aside, um, because I love you guys, and I, if you if you are living in the northern hemisphere, I think it's um, there's a good chance that you might be in need of a little more sunshine in your life. Um, I will, you know, I'll probably bring that up again until the winter before the winter's done. Um, but that's not the purpose of this podcast today. I'm actually coming to you earlier than I usually do. Um, I usually let sort of one episode rest for at least a week before I come at you with another one. And so I do hope that you will listen to the last two episodes. Um, one was with my friend Diane and the next was with my friend Jen. Both of them were so much fun. I hope that when you listen to them, you can enjoy how much fun we had. Um, you know, picture yourself sitting in the room with us with a cup of coffee or a glass of wine or tea or whatever it is that you like and just kind of feel part of the um, the friendship, which I do think of everybody that might be listening as a friend. And um, I'm not very good at keeping track of of numbers and everything. And I'm always just delighted that, you know, I'll hear after each podcast somebody um, or a few people will contact me to let me know that it was helpful. And that is, at this point in my life, uh, the end game. I just want um, to be helpful. I want every episode to have something in it that will help to make somebody else's life a little bit easier. Um, and so I really do appreciate your feedback and I appreciate you taking time to listen. I know it is... Um, a very busy time of year right now and so hopefully um, this can keep you company while you're wrapping presents or driving shopping or cleaning your house or at work and wishing you weren't or whatever so um, thanks again it, it does mean a lot to me to be able to sort of turn my experiences and a good deal of pain and sort of agonizing 
into something positive and helpful to other people that's been incredibly healing to me so um, we are in a symbiotic relationship you and I um, and I appreciate you so much so thank you um, what I wanted to talk to you about today was um, something very relevant to the the PTSD journey and so if you've been following me on that you'll know that sort of in recent at least this year I've been um, well I only started it this year but um, this year I sort of committed to keeping people up to date with my progress as it was unfolding um, because when I used to write my blog I did speak quite freely about um, my struggles with depression and that was mostly before I knew about PTSD um, but Somebody once pointed out to me that it was not as helpful as they thought it could be. And this is a person who honestly um, needed to just shut up. <laughs> to be honest, I don't care anymore. It was not really constructive criticism, to be honest. But it made me think, so I suppose it is constructive, that they just thought that, you know, you always report after it's all tied up in a neat bow and maybe it would be better if people knew what an actually what a disaster you were in the middle of it so um be that as it may i did the best i could at the time and i thought i would experiment with this that way this time um uh, for a couple of reasons. One of the reasons why I just feel like you need to be able to, when you are in a really, really dark place, and I've spoken about this before, it is virtually impossible to believe anybody, in fact, if not impossible, it was impossible for me, to believe anybody who you see living a happy, functional life um, when they say this is going to get better, you're like, what do you know? You are not in this hell with me. And they say, oh, no, I get it. I'm a therapist or I've got friends who've done it or whatever. Or I've been through it. You're like, nope, nope, nope. Nobody can be as hopeless, depressed, worthless and completely unsalvageable um, as I am. And um, so that is why I kind of tried to let you in when I was quite raw a few times and you could hear the pain and strain. Um, I'm pretty sure, um, especially in contrast to me being feeling good right now. Uh, I think if you listen back, you can probably hear the difference. And so it was important to me that there was a sense of um, <clears throat> progression that you would be able to get it. Now, there is a fine line um, that I, I wasn't willing to cross or I wasn't even able to cross when I was truly, truly at my worst. I had no interest in, um, you know, imparting any words of wisdom um, because I didn't feel like I had anything to offer. And, you know, so for that reason, it just wasn't going to happen. Um, and also, I um, I read something once where it said, you know, if you're putting out a memoir, or you're putting out self-help book or whatever, make sure you've got your shit together because um, it could end up being more... Th of a cry for help than helpful or a memoir or whatever. And while I don't think that there's anything wrong with putting out writing as a cry for help, and I don't think that necessarily it's unhelpful to the world at large. I think sometimes 
it's the most helpful thing you can do is to kind of um, show yourself as somebody who's willing to ask for help. That's probably one of the bravest, being vulnerable like that is one of the bravest, most selfless things you can do, whether you are doing it for selfish reasons or not. It's still very courageous and it is helpful to people to see that. It's incredibly helpful. But here's the, here's the caveat. If you intended it, if you are not in good enough touch with your own emotions, that you think you are putting it out as a memoir, just just hear the facts as they were, or you think that you are doing it purely to help others. And then you go back later and you're a little bit more healed and you're a little bit more um, self-aware and you've, you know, you, you can see, okay, well, I was working through that then. Um, you might actually not be happy with the fact that it was all out there. You might regret being as transparent as you were um, because that was not your intention. Now, you know, I hope you can see the difference because when people do a cry for help and they know that it's a cry for help, they don't tend, people don't tend to regret that. You know, I think that they often do get the help that they need and they'll often get good feedback that, you know, people, depending on if the cry for help is something really, really negative or if it's just a vulnerable, like, here I am, somebody save me, please. Um, so that's just sort of something that I grappled with quite a bit. It was like, I don't want to do more harm than good. And I that's always going to be the goal. And it should be the goal of any non-monstrous human. Um, and I also want to be true to myself and my own boundaries and what I'm comfortable with and what I will be comfortable with later and what my family will be comfortable with later and all those things. So... Um, I think that at this juncture, I think that I have walked the line um, satisfactorily enough for my own sake. And I hope that it has been helpful to others. And I have heard that it has been. Um, and not triggering. That was always my concern. I didn't want to be so um, down and talk from a place when I was so triggered that I inadvertently triggered other people. So that was important to me. And that's the thing. Um, when a very triggered person gets together with somebody who is um, in a, a space in their life that they are kind of, well, they're very easily triggered, um, it cannot, it can be not a good thing for either one. And I, I have learned that also from difficult experience. And it's, it's been, it's been very sad and hard for both, both parties. So, um, you know, trying to trying to deal with all that. So all that aside, I'm coming here now um, quite fresh from a couple of epiphanies and um, quite fresh from some major sort of leaps and bounds in progress in my journey. Um, and I don't want to, and I didn't really want to leave it a couple more days when those faded away or the next crisis popped up when I wasn't, you know, and I, I hadn't reported on this. And so that's why I'm sort of rushing the next episode and there's no rule that says they, they have to be a week apart or anything like that. But um, I just didn't, I didn't want you to feel like <laughs> I'm piling all the episodes and that you don't listen to the, the former two because they, they've got some really good stuff. Those are wise ladies. Okay, so without further ado, let's talk about what was going on. Um, uh, Thanksgiving is a, um, has, has long been one of my favorite, well, long been my favorite holiday. 
And that surprised me because it it actually surprised me because both Thanksgiving and Fourth of July um, are distinctly American traditions. Um, actually, Halloween is as well, but was I think it's been kind of adopted by lots of countries now. When I was growing up, Halloween was also very American, but Thanksgiving and Fourth of July are obviously obviously very intrinsic to American history. And so because I really never fully embraced America as my home, it it struck me as curious that I love these holidays so much and that those were the holidays that I kind of went all out. <laughs> and I got really um I got really excited about and I and I enjoyed so very much. And it's just become clear, really. I mean, it's so obvious. But it's become clear that they weren't tainted by any kind of weird family drama and triggers. And that's why they were so nice. And they were just such a relief for me because they were just pure. There was nothing in my history that made them jacked up. Nothing attached to them subconsciously um, to make them difficult. And so that's only now. The penny has only dropped like you know, very recently that this is why I like them so much because I was like, given that I'm so weird about living in America and that I prefer to live elsewhere, especially in South Africa, why is it that I really like American holidays? Anyway, so that's kind of just an interesting aside, but I loved Thanksgiving so much and it, I would be full of just pure joy. I just remember for years just loving it and feeling so happy and warm and all the right things, not stressed and not um, depressed and not weirdly anxious or anything, just, you know, the things that sort of accompanied some other holidays for me, including my own birthday. Um, It was just this time to just be so grateful and cognizant of blessings and to just be so fully present for your own family and in touch with your family and grateful for your friends and their generosity and just truly bask in your your circumstances and find how wonderful they were and I just thought that was so beautiful and truly they were such a good experience for me both of those holidays Um, but Thanksgiving like far and beyond the 4th of July (laughs) so I was dismayed when in recent years Thanksgiving was incredibly difficult for me Um, and really saddened by that I was like what the hell like where did my happy place go why is um, Thanksgiving such a struggle lately it really I was like barely functional a couple of years and then just struggling so 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 hard the last couple of years just truly and and so curious and also it just felt like a real loss it's like everything everything I love everything I enjoy is just dark and sad and I couldn't figure it out and um this year I was feeling those feelings really creeping up and I was concerned and um I had made so much progress in the last couple of months and and sort of sorted and un um what's the word when you disconnect uh certain you know certain things from their triggers and and just make them what they are. I'd done a lot of disconnecting of stuff and I had unhooking of things had 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 been going on like crazy. Um, because I understood so much more thanks to, you know, my brother coming and us working through with like 
therapy on steroids, the two of us, for a straight week, which was insanely grueling and super dramatic. I mean, so much went down. That month was bonkers. And um, and then was thankfully followed by that lovely cruise. But um, so I was feeling like I'm on a, I'm, I'm on a new plane. I'm on a different level now. Therapy um, has brought me to a whole different place and my brother's assistance and understanding the power of secondary abuse, which was my last episode, which you, if you do have PTSD and if it is, especially if it's related to childhood abuse or honestly any kind of abuse from anybody, if you've been um, involved in a toxic relationship with a narcissist, be that a parent or a loved one or of any kind, um, a sibling or a um you know, a romantic partner, husband, wife, whatever, listen to that because the secondary, being able to understand and you know, really kind of internalize what the secondary abuse had done to my self-perception and my self-concept was life-changing. And um, really, that's kind of what boosted me to the next level. So um, I got a lot of feedback from that and a lot of positive like, wow, this is needed. We need to be talking about this more. So please listen to it so that you can sort of, even if it's not for you, that you can boost the signal on that because people really need to understand it more. And I know quite a lot about psychology, especially about my own situation. I've been very invested in educating myself about it. And that was something I did not know about. So it's really, it's sort of an under um, discussed phenomenon and an incredibly common one. All right, so that was the last one. So I was expecting that this Thanksgiving, you know, would follow suit with me being generally better off than I have been. And um, it wasn't turning out to look that way. I was getting really, like, depressed, anxious, panicky, kind of uh, wishing it would just go away wishing I could cancel everything, um, but I'd committed to having people over and I have five children and it's important to me to be there for them and not cancel holidays. Um, so I, and then you feel trapped. Then you're like, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this, and I feel trapped. Um, and it's just crazy. And you know, when you look at it, it's not a big deal. You're just having a meal with your family. But when it is attached to triggers and perceptions about yourself and abuse and scary things it is a huge deal so it and so it was shaping up to be and my therapist was like nope 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 we are not going to let another thanksgiving pass this way we're not going to back down we've gotten through so much that we can really focus on what's going on because you know she had so much to deal with in the last holidays um that we couldn't really like go into much depth as to what was triggering me at any one time because the entire world was a giant trigger so she was like let's see what's going on um and we finally I figured it out and it had been attached to a really really negative experience that I'd had when visiting my family and I tried to recreate Thanksgiving over there and it had been directly um related to me confronting my family regarding the abuse um or my parents at least and then secondary abuse of note and gaslighting that had occurred in the um in 
you know, that same sort of period of time that was all happening. And it had all kind of come to fruition with me ending up crying hysterically in my room and going back to that scared, undermined, self-loathing little girl space. And the rest of the family continuing without me and um, marginalizing me and everybody saying, we had a great time and it was better without you kind of thing. So, um, and that was not my children's choice. That was, you know, I'm not, I'm not in any way laying this on my, my young, my the family of my own. This was extended family, and, and, and you know, I put the blame squarely on my parents. Um, it, it wasn't anybody else, you know, doing anything insensitive. Nobody really knew what I was dealing with, especially not me. And so suddenly when we figured that out it was like oh okay well that was it and that is why Thanksgiving has been a nightmare for me ever since and well that would make sense because that really tied into every single trigger um, the marginalization the undermining, the gaslighting bringing up the abuse telling me it's not as bad as you think um, blah 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 why are you punishing us this way you are the worst kind of person who is, um, you know, vengeful. And you're going to capitalize on, you know, this tiny little infraction that happened to you. And it was just so false and so horrible about and such a huge character defamation from people who are supposed to have my back and build me up and did very little in that way and much, much, much in the up in the opposite direction but when you believe that your family have your best interests at heart then you do t sort of take whatever they say as gospel especially if there are these big personalities and especially if one of them has groomed you from birth to take everything he said as gospel and the other one has fed you a steady narrative that you are um, not a very credible witness because they don't want to deal with the truth that they they know in the back of their mind. So it's, you know, I'm just getting this very, very toxic messages. And of course, then Thanksgiving is going to be wrecked, which was a shame. But it doesn't have to be wrecked forever. Because once I understood that, I was like, oh, well, that's bull. Like Thanksgiving is my holiday. And now I see how pitiful these people are and how dysfunctional they are. And, um, you know, it has nothing to do with me. That has nothing to do with me and everything to do with them. And I guess I'll just take Thanksgiving back. And it was as simple as that. Now, it's not as simple as that if you don't, if you haven't already done 16 layers of work beneath that and you haven't come to grips with your own trauma and then you haven't come to the understanding of secondary trauma and you don't, you haven't unpacked for months what kind of messages these people were giving you. And all of that. So I don't want to be in any way blithe or glib or anything about how it all came to that, that I could just go, oh, what's all about that? Well, pull yourself toward yourself and now it's all over, Christy. Yay, you. I mean, for Pete's sake, like that, that's ridiculous. I do acknowledge that. But it was, um, it was truly as simple as that once I got to that point in my therapy. And because it was a holiday, it's very measurable, which is because, you know, I'm sure my therapist keeps notes on me because she does sort of go, well, last year, this time you were the same way. And I don't, 
she has a lot of clients so i don't think that she's necessarily you know just pulling that out you know thumb sucking that she's probably keeping notes and i and everybody would do well to do the same for yourself so that you can start to see patterns because patterns do do tell us so much about the world in general you know pattern you know this is why keeping a journal or keeping some kind of personal record is very very helpful and i even found my social media has been very helpful in terms of me um figuring out that i'm in a cycle and i'll look you know okay two years ago i was saying that and reading between the lines i can tell i was very depressed and then discuss that with my therapist um but you know that's to show that the contrast between last thanksgiving and the previous you know three or four um and this one was so tremendous and it's you know it's it's easier to pin it on a holiday when you aren't really great at note keeping which I'm not so um that's a real win and that's a triumph and I want to give you measurable ways in which I feel better so in you know last Thanksgiving I did um at the last minute you know pull the thing together and I made a beautiful table and we got the meal together but we had to cater it because I was just feeling that incapable and I was feeling so shaky the entire day and just barely holding it together and then just before um and we just had a really sort of intimate family gathering with just the kids and their plus ones and um because I just didn't feel up to anything else and then right before I saw and I'm so I'm terrified of rodents <laughs> I am so scared of mice and I really don't like dead bodies and I don't like to be surprised like anybody does but you know most people <laughs> sort of can pull themselves together if they see a mouse and I'm just like the element of surprise for me in terms of my PTSD <laughs> is particularly bad so if I am like frightened or given a fright in some sort of negative way um, I don't cope well especially when I was my nerves were so jangled and so raw and at the surface and I was so easily triggered so I'd gone outside um, to my gazebo and I have like um, you know like sort of a chest of drawers out there where I would store out of season things and I found a dead little mouse and I literally had like a 10 minute long screaming like hysterical fit <laughs> like I was not okay it was so mortifying because I could not even I could hear myself screaming and I couldn't stop and I was like the kids is like uh my son's girlfriend was here and they were just like what the freak is going on like what the hell and Caroline my daughter was so kind like she's mom mom it's fine like it's understandable because I was like I'm so sorry I'm I'm triggered about something else I can tell and I'm so embarrassed I'm so sorry and she was like she was so sweet it was like literally as dinner was supposed to start she she ran me this bath and she lit candles and she was like you just need to relax it was so sweet so even those difficult times when I think back on how supportive and kind and accommodating people were to me now and my heart is warmed you know and that's the thing a lot of people who are depressed think wow you know all that time I spent wasted being depressed and that's been a major sadness for me you know I was telling my brother yesterday when I see pictures of my kids younger I am quite sad because I wonder what a better mom I could have been if I wasn't depressed and 
I just want to go back and enjoy them more and stuff. And, um, you know, that's not helpful. <laughs> that's not a helpful way to be. We're all wistful about seeing pictures of our, our babies as babies. But when you start to sort of like want to rewrite history, that's it's a dangerous thing. And we need to realize that, you know, um, it is what it is. And what came from it were children who were kind and empathetic and have been able to help other friends and also very um, normalized toward the fact that mental health issues do exist and that we're all in it together and that we can get help and that families uh, will have your back no matter what you won't be rejected for being depressed you're not a bad person for being depressed people still love you after you know while you're going through depression um you know, these are lessons that I hope my children have taken away from a less than optimal situation. Um, and, you know, a lot of times people aren't feeling what we're feeling. We might have been in turmoil, but they were kids and happy a good deal of the time. Not all the time. I'm sure it affected them some of the time. But, you know, so so be aware of that because that's it's not helpful. And even in that, that weird Thanksgiving last year where I was really struggling I can look back and be so touched by my daughter's kindness and so proud of her and so there you go um all right so that was one of the those are you know when people talk about um weight loss victories and then they'll talk about non-scale victories you know the weight on the scale hasn't changed, but there's this and this and this that also affects my well-being and my happiness and has given me a better life. And um, I would say this is more a scale victory because you can see it on the scale. November came. I had Thanksgiving. It was enjoyable. I had it at my home. Um, I invited people. It, you know, I made all the food. Um, it was enjoyable and no big deals, no meltdowns, everything was great. So that's a big scale victory. In terms of non-scale victories, um, other things, other small shifts have changed. My attitudes towards things that I always knew shouldn't be a big deal, but weirdly were a big deal for me. And I felt weird that they were a big deal for me when other functional adults seemed to just sort of... Um, cope you know things were not such a big deal I'm finding more and more like that that I feel more and more like a normal citizen of the world <laughs> and I think PTSD can make you look feel there's first is the disassociation which is common um, in cases of trauma and and working through PTSD you know you just feel like you're on the outside I've described it often as a snow globe you can see a beautiful life that you could be participating in or a world that you don't feel quite part of and you're just watching it go on without you and that's very sad and it's excruciatingly lonely as well um i'm feeling less and less disassociated um all the time and i'm feeling more and more capable as a grown-up to handle um everyday stresses whereas those just life itself was incredibly tiring and very grueling it just to live was hard to get out of bed was hard to manage my thinking was hard and now um i am very i'm very disciplined about my self-care in terms of i'm aware of the things i think about and when i'm starting to find myself ruminating 
I will say stop and redirect. Um, but when you're in the depths of PTSD, you cannot do that. You cannot redirect. You just—it's impossible because you're in the trauma right there. It's not in your control, which is why you need help. So um, the non-scale victories, I think, that are less obvious to me is that more and more I'm feeling more and more like a citizen of the world, like a functional grown-up. And some would argue, you know, you've always been a functional grown-up because you've raised five kids um, in a country that wasn't your own, away from extended family, and you moved a lot, and you still made it happen, and and things have gone fairly well, you know. Um, but I could never give myself any credit for that. And now more and more, you know, when people say, look at this accomplishment, look at that, I can be like, you know what, that's right. That's that's not nothing. And, you know, that was hard, and I can take ownership of things like that. So um, what I really wanted to focus on for the rest of this podcast, though, is um, a very recent, like in the last week, huge development happened in therapy. And when I left it, I came out with a sense of, wow, look, and I even said to my therapist, holy smokes, well, wow, this was a doozy. When am I gonna lose my mind? Like, should I be prepared? Like, who should be on standby? (laughs) Because um, this, if anything, if this revelation um, out of any of them is going to make a person really lose the plot, it would be this one. And it basically what had happened was we connected the dots between a huge episode that I'd had maybe last year, um, which is actually really scary and creepy and all the things for me. Um, And it had indicated that something um, that I had not addressed at all and not consciously understood had happened to me had happened to me. And it had happened at a very young age. And um, none of that had been addressed, nothing. I didn't believe in um, suppressed memories. And if I did believe in them um, for other people, because I have no, I honestly have no, like, thoughts on other people's experiences. I've got more than enough crazy to keep myself busy. So I don't, you know, pass judgment on other people's suppressed memories. I know they're a thing. I just didn't believe I had any. I believed I was fully cognizant of every single um, which was a shame. <laughs> every single grievance or everything hardship, I was filed away in accessible portions of my brain. And it transpires that there was something and it was very traumatic indeed. And it happened to me at a terribly, terribly tender age, which is devastatingly sad as it would be and to me it's devastatingly sad as it would be if I'd been watching a movie or if it had happened to a friend and they were telling me their story I feel a great deal of grief and sadness and just terrible ache in my heart for that sweet little child but I do not feel personally traumatized by it right now and that is a huge shift So back when I was experiencing true trauma and I was having an episode of almost regression back into that moment, um, which is when it was revealed to the therapist that that happened, 
um, she could tell I was just purely like out to see and I had no coping skills at the time and she didn't like manipulate the memory she did nothing with it she didn't confirm it she didn't say when I came out of it and say oh guess what bad news much worse things happened at a much younger age and you realize she didn't do anything like that um, and nor did she say nothing bad happened to you at all what she did do was kind of stabilize and, and, and hold the space for me and she just said, you know what, we will revisit this maybe some point. And, you know, something could have seemed very scary to you at that age. And, you know, as an adult, it's not as scary, but you maybe, you know, there's possibilities and everything. And then in the last week, I had um, other experiences. And in a very non-dramatic way, there was just this slow dawning for me, just kind of like, a sad and sobering confirmation but not dramatic and not traumatic where I drew the conclusion and said oh do you think and she said yeah like um that is what I think um and I have thought that and it makes you know it's, it's connected all the dots for me and so it was just this very skillful very patient and very um professional way that she's dealt with it that there was no pushing where I was not were uh, able to take on something that I was not ready to and what I what came away what I came away from the big the big re reveal for this um about this for me was not the information and not like now what am I going to do with that it was that was that happened and it happened in the past and I've always known it happened and um, now it's in my conscious brain where I have coping skills to deal with it and I have a therapist and if I need to deal with it I will but nothing is terrible and new today for me and if anything I have moved a horrible memory out of a primal part of my brain that doesn't have any skills or tools to do anything with it but to immerse me in stress hormones and allow me to be triggered by certain things without me understanding and that's unhelpful and so to push things to the surface is scary and ugly and messy but necessary and it's really the same as with any wound um, my friend Sandy always says I always go back to wounds and it's so gross because she is in the in the medical field and I'm like but there really isn't any other way to explain it because it is it is a wound an infection of the psyche it is a damage that's been done to us on and if we push it down it will inform every day of our lives it will make us that little bit less happy, that little bit less able to cope, that little bit less skilled in, in managing healthy relationships, it will damage us just like an infection deep down in the tissue or even the bone will hurt or even kill us one day. It has to be either cut out or in the case of a boil, kind of raised to the surface and eventually you lance that thing. And it's ugly, right? When a boil comes to the surface, um, it hurts, it's ugly. Um, we've all watched those crazy videos where they like 
lines of boil on a cow or whatever. I mean, it's the grossest thing I've ever seen and strangely satisfying at the same time. But it's so, um, and painful and traumatic and like, oh my gosh, like nobody knows where to look and, and uh, we're all like, oh, uh, I don't know, those videos are horrifying, but kind of like fascinating at the same time. And so this is the thing, you know, people are terrified, terrified to face their trauma and to just go, okay, there is something there. I'm not as tough as I think. Um, and it's time to unpack this. And that is not a sign of weakness. That is not a sign of anything but actually being an adult and being responsible and going, I could live a better life. I could be a better person. I could be um, more effective. I could like myself and everybody else more. I could get out of my own way in this in this regard. Um, I could have less episodes of free floating anxiety or sense of dread or just, you know, undermining of myself and others and less conflict in my relationships. I could do all of these things if I was willing to go through the mess and the pain of, you know, getting that wound to the surface, cleaned up, operated on and get the, rid of the infection and heal and get on with my life. And I have so much sympathy for the fear of facing that. I have so much empathy for it because um, I remember as a young woman, a teenager, whatever, I was so terrified and averse to any conversations regarding therapy or abuse or anything. I was so, so scared of facing my demons. And I think that was for two reasons. Firstly, as young kids or even as adults, we like to have um, a sense of normalcy. We like to normalize things. Um, and particularly a child will normalize their experience with their parents and be like, this is okay. This is You've all seen the, the gif with the little dog sitting at the kitchen table drinking coffee and there's just flames engulfing him. It must be from some cartoon or something that I'm not aware of. But he just says, this is fine. And clearly it's not fine. We did that. We do that as that is a natural childish response. And that's actually what my stepdad would be like. Well, she didn't act like anything was wrong. So I think figured everything was okay. Or I thought she was asleep or just crazy stuff like that. And, and, you know, then as a kid, you're like, this is fine. This is fine. And that's how we normalize. As kids, we survive because we have no other recourse but to normalize. Kids don't often get to say, hey, this isn't normal. And then their whole lives will like... And then everybody will respond, believe them, and adjust accordingly. That's just not the experience for most abused children. And so it's a coping mechanism that a lot of adults cling to for the rest of their lives and never get to the bottom of, which is very, very tragic. And I empathize so deeply. I would never listen to a podcast like mine, never, um, as a young woman who had not faced her demons. I was terrified of them. And so I said it was a twofold reason. One, because I was hugely invested from normalizing from the age of very, very young. And that's because the person who groomed and abused me um, used that to do it. We'd always find a way of normalizing. Um, well, we're just going to, I, you know, I'd had asthma. So lift up your shirt so I can listen to your chest. Well, let's, you know, do this um, or just would find all sorts of clever ways to make it seem like nothing was wrong. 
obviously there was, but um, there's that. So the normalizing came from natural childhood instincts and also the, the grooming and the abuser was very invested in normalizing. Then um, my mother, who would have been, you know, who I reported to, was clearly terrified of the truth. And she, that sort of pathology passed on to us because what I've recognized now is that um, even when she was doing due diligence as much as she could and saying, did anything bad happen? You could see in her eyes, I would just see this desperate terror in her eyes to tell me, her basically saying, tell me it didn't, right? And then as a parent, you as a child, you protect your parent. That's another childhood instinct. You don't want your parent to feel bad. You want your parent to feel okay. And that's truly tragic because that was the overriding kind of theme of my childhood. And the reason why I didn't want to say anything is because I worried about the well-being of the very man who brutally and horribly violated me in every possible way. Um, mentally, sexually, physically, emotionally, everywhere. So um, the weird thing is, is that if you find enough of an empathetic child and this kind of animal, this kind of monster, almost always will groom that kind of person. So you've got the connection between great kindness and great empathy and great sensitivity is targeted by this kind of monster. And so those that's why the kind of person has an especially hard time recovering because first of all, they can't even quite accept that this person who they love is in fact a monster, which really hinders healing. It really does. And so once you finally kind of realize, okay, no, there was nothing good about them. There's nothing excusable about this. They were using you in every way. They actually didn't love you. It's, you know, um, and accept that as painful as that is, it helps the healing process go a lot more quickly. So there's that. Um, and that's sad and hard and very hard to let go of. But it's a lot sadder to internalize things and feel guilt for things that weren't yours to feel guilty over. None of this is good. And none of this is all of it's regrettable. But that's an infinitely more um, healthy way to look at it, because it's the truth. And the truth will set us free. You know, and I think my mother's pathology was invested in her own trauma and her own determination um, to sort of look away from things that were clearly just so jacked up in our home and that her husband treated her children terribly. Um, her tendency to normalize that, to look away from it, to deny it, to deny it even to this day to herself, to find a way around it is invested in her own terror of abandonment and her own childhood issues of abandonment. And also, you know, she was just did not want to be alone. And so she didn't she didn't allow herself to see what was right in front of her. And I think we adopted this terrible, terrible fear of the truth um, from that pathology. You do kind of inherit um, the way you see your parents act towards certain things, especially if you grew up very, very enmeshed and embroiled in that dysfunction. And so I was utterly terrified, phobic even, of facing the truth. And then it was kind of drawn out at the least opportune moment and not very skillfully and very just bad, bad, bad all around by a Mormon bishop who admittedly was just doing 
his very best, was completely untrained and un, uh, just in every way, not, not, who should not have been the person doing, you know, as my first port of call. And it all had to do with me feeling guilty and unworthy to go to the temple. So, I mean, on every possible level, that was a very jacked up way to start my journey. And it did basically just trigger my PTSD, that it was right there where the, the PTSD itself just became triggered because I became aware, fully cognizant that something had gone very wrong, but I internalized it in all sorts of every possibly wrong way. And um, it was right before I got married. And so my journey through adulthood up until recently has been a very painful and difficult one. And it's not unique. I know that. I know that it's been very painful and difficult for a number of people. And I'm just so grateful that I got the kind of help that I needed desperately. And it's been skilled. It's been patient. It's been incredibly nuanced and careful. And when I say I need to say patient again, because my therapist tells me I've moved through this process very quickly. But to me, it seems like eternity. And I'm sure that it seems like eternity to the people who love me as well. Um, and I'm sure the many sessions I've spent with her where my progress was incremental and we went two steps um, forward and then 15 seemingly steps backward and she never pushed and she never pushed any kind of like revelation out of a desire to, you know, wrap this thing up or make sense of anything or, you know, so there was no... There was no power of suggestion on her part. There was no pushing me t before I was ready to confront things. Um, I feel incredibly fortunate to have got good therapy. And I, not, I know not all therapy is good, which is why if you didn't have a good experience with therapy five years ago, keep trying because that was definitely my situation. I had multiple bad experiences with therapy. I might have taken one or two useful things out of them. Um, but you got to keep trying because you ultimately eventually will find a good therapist. Um, I truly believe that there's plenty of them out there. There are, you know, best standards. There's good ways and proven ways of dealing with PTSD and um, plenty of skilled people who can do it. You can't work through this kind of trauma alone. It's not possible. Um, it is quite complex. Uh, especially complex PTSD. It's called complex for a good reason. And so I really so encourage you to address your fears because um, I look back now and go, wow, it was so much harder to live when everything was so scary. Like I remember being so terrified to address what had happened to me that there, would, there was once a, a sign on a door um, in Spanish and I must have been it was actually before I got married. I just talked to this bishop about it, and I saw in a hotel door, um, I think Spanish for, um, you know, do not disturb, there's the word molest in it, and I was horrified to even see that word. I didn't want any part of it. I don't want to think about it. I would have all, and the less you want to think about something, the more intrusive thoughts you have. And I had constant, constant intrusive thoughts and sensations. It was so much harder to live so much harder and more terrifying to live when I was living the secret, when I was trying so hard not to think about the truth, when I was pushing it down constantly than it is to live now. And even in the worst parts of my therapy, um, at least I had an ally. At least I had, you know, I wasn't having to keep secrets anymore. 
it was a huge relief. So yes, it's been grueling at times, but a lot of the therapy time I've had has been enjoyable and fun and interesting and enlightening and helped me to be a much better mom. Um, and with time, a better friend, certainly a more available wife. Um, and, and just sort of little by little getting out of my own way. And there are other things, you know, that I've discovered that I'm working on that we'll talk about in subsequent episodes. But I just really wanted to address, it's not going to be any worse than what it already is. So if you're afraid of things getting worse for you, it's not going to be. And that's the thing, you know, I, you know, when I revealed to my brother what the, the, the dots that we had put together and the confirmation that I'd made for myself and sort of validated and confirmed by my therapist's um, experience and opinion and having watched me over the years. Um, it was very, like I said, sad, sobering, tragic, but not traumatic. And I was a grown up enough now, had developed my grown up enough self, had sort of addressed all the things in my childhood enough to be able to say, well, I always knew it on some level and it's not new and it's no worse than it ever was. I just have now got it in my conscious mind where I can take care of it. And so if you're scared to bring the truth to light, either even into your own consciousness and really address your demons and look to see what is going on, everybody who has issues has a sense when they're honest with themselves that they have issues. Don't be afraid of them. Stop denying them. Stop saying, I don't have issues. Because, first of all, you're not fooling anybody. Everybody around you knows you have issues. <laughs> you, might, you, might be do, you might be doing the best job on yourself. Um, you might be the least convinced of everybody that you've got issues. But if you've got a haunting feeling and you feel like you keep squashing something down or you keep redirecting or you have sort of a free-floating anxiety more often than not or things trigger you weirdly you just sometimes wake up feeling depressed for no reason or what have you and you feel like there's something that you're afraid of inside of you or in your past or to find out about yourself don't be because it's already in you it's already happening it's just happening in a place where you're less your brain is less smart and less skilled to deal with it and it's jacking up your life it's making you less effective and less available as a wonderful as the wonderful person as you are. It's tying up so much energy. It's tying up so much um, of your wonderful traits and qualities because that shit is exhausting. And covering it up is the worst. It's so much work. You can free up so much physical energy. You will find that your physical body... Um, you know, people started to say to me, you know what, in the last recent years, you know, you, like you turn 40, but you look so much better. Like, what's the story? <laughs> like you reverse aging and stuff. And I'm like, okay, if it's anything, it's just because I'm being true to myself. And that's a lot less stressful than not. Um, and also just, I think you just kind of start to have a sense of confidence. And that just come, kind of comes out of you. You know, the more you like and love yourself because you ditched all the crap, um, the better you're just going to present yourself and look and feel so I cannot say with more authority and more sureness that it's not going to get worse it's as bad as it ever could be if it's in you if it's in your psyche 
It's as bad as it can be. Getting help is not going to make it worse. Um, it might be messy and it might make your life look different, but ultimately the truth will set you free. I know no phrase to be more true than that. Um, and the truth doesn't always make things, you know, easy. It certainly didn't make things like particularly not gnarly for my family. Things are all in all sorts of chaos. But natural consequences fall into place. And the people who deserve to be healed will heal. And the people who need to work on, on fixing themselves and, you know, ask for forgiveness or have consequences, um, will, who knows? That's not my problem. You know what I mean? Maybe they'll deal with that. And, and life is life harder for my abuser? Well, it should be. I'm not invested in it, but um, better him than me because I've suffered long enough, right? And, you know, um, I'm, I'm just concerned about me at this point. I'm concerned about suffering a lot less and being a lot more for the people whom I love. And I can honestly say that I see so much progress toward that end. And it is, I want to use the word refreshing, but it's so much more than that. It's literally glorious. Um, as bright as this lovely sad lamp that's shining straight into my eyes right now. I just had to give one more pl plug. But yeah, life is certainly getting better. And I could never have seen myself saying that even a few months ago, if somebody said you will have a revelation, which is terribly sad and terribly unexpected by your conscious mind. Um, I would have thought, wow, major fallout, major fallout is coming, but that has not been the case. Um, peace, acceptance, and okay, now on to the next level. How can I, you know, how can I level up once again? And that is what I intend to do. So I'm telling you all this because I know the same can be true for each of you. I know that the path to healing is certainly not unique to me. I know that it's possible. I know that it's hard work, that it takes discipline and it takes courage. Vulnerability takes courage, but it is worth it always. And with that, I would like to uh, bid you adieu. I will talk to you again soon. Thank you so much for tuning in and all the best to you. Let me know if I can help with anything and thank you so much for your very kind input, all the kind words and all of the encouragement that you've given me over the course of this journey. Um, it has been such an integral part in the healing and I appreciate each and every one of you for any type of support that you've given me. And if you're just a quiet listener, I, my love and my um, compassion goes out to you if you or anybody you know and love is struggling in the same way and if I can be of any assistance um, privately please contact me my email is kirsty.sayer at gmail.com I'm also on Facebook Kirsty Sayer I'm on Instagram Momity Kirsty thank you again and I will talk to you soon bye bye